Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. On June 2nd, 1995, Captain Scott O'Grady was flying a U.S. Air Force jet over the nation of Bosnia during the Bosnia War. Captain O'Grady was flying over enemy territory when suddenly a Serbian surface-to-air missile struck O'Grady's jet. Instantly, the jet was cut in half and sent tumbling from the sky. In the split second before his jet burst into flames, O'Grady pushed the eject button and escaped from the plane. As the fiery debris fell all around him, he parachuted to the ground, alive and unhurt. He was saved from the crash, but now he was trapped behind enemy lines. Quickly, O'Grady grabbed a 29-pound survival bag from the wreckage and ran for cover. Rubbing dirt on his face, he hid face down as enemy soldiers swarmed the area looking for him. At one point, the enemy came so close to O'Grady that they were hitting the ground with their rifles only meters away from where he was hiding. Captain Scott O'Grady had been delivered from death, but he was still in extreme danger. He had to get out of enemy territory alive and get home. So for the next six days, O'Grady hid in the bush. He ate leaves and grass and bugs and drank rainwater. Finally, In the early morning hours of June 8th, two U.S. Sea Stallion helicopters landed near where O'Grady was hiding. In less than seven minutes, they had grabbed Captain O'Grady and taken off. An hour later, they landed safely on a U.S. naval ship. After six days behind enemy lines, Scott O'Grady was finally fully delivered. The true story of Captain Scott O'Grady has an important lesson for all of us today. Believe it or not, through his example, we can learn how to survive the end of the world. For you see, there was a process in the redemption of Captain Scott O'Grady. His deliverance didn't come all at once. First, he was saved when he ejected out of his burning jet. But even though he was saved from the plane crash, he still had to be saved from enemy territory. He had to navigate through a temporary period of further danger. It wasn't until he was finally taken out from behind enemy lines and received back home that Scott O'Grady's deliverance was complete. And so it is for all of us today. Everyone who has received Christ as Lord and Savior has been redeemed. We've escaped from darkness and given a new chance at life, yet we still need further redemption. We're living in a world filled with enemy forces. We have to carefully navigate our way through this life as we wait for Christ's return. For it's only when he comes again to take us home that we can finally and fully be redeemed. That's the truth we're going to uncover today in our sermon titled, Redemption. We're going to receive inspiration that will help us navigate through this period when we are in between our salvation and our complete redemption. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you for gathering us in your presence today. We loose the power of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts and lives that we might receive your truth and receive the power and the grace to live in it. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the Spirit of the living God to bring us light and life, and hope. Let your anointing flow today in Jesus' name. And everybody 
said, amen. I invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, God richly bless you for joining me today. It's great to be together with you in the presence of our Lord Jesus as we receive truth for today. You picked a great day to join me as we continue our sermon series, How to Survive the End of the World. For the last few weeks, we've been searching God's word to find the keys that will help us survive and even thrive during the end times. Now, we all know that the end times will be a time of great difficulty and trouble. But the good news is this. When we follow God's word, we will be delivered from the storm. We can have peace and hope when everything around us is falling apart because our peace and our hope are in the Lord who never fails. That's certainly the lesson we can learn from the man who has been our guide for the past few weeks. See, as we've studied the end times, we've also been studying the life of a man named Noah. Noah is our guide through this sermon series because Noah happens to be history's greatest survivor. After all, Noah and his family survived when the whole world around them was wiped out in the great flood. So if anybody knows how to survive the end of the world, it's Noah. And here's what he has taught us so far. In our first week, Noah taught us to be ready for the end. Noah was able to prepare for the flood because he was aware of what was happening and what was coming. He was aware of what was coming because he was concerned about what was truly important. He wasn't just consumed in this life and the daily activities of buying and selling, eating and drinking. He had his priorities on God and eternal things. So he was able to see what God sees. And when we pursue God's priorities and possess his perspective, we too will be prepared. Then last week, Noah taught us about the requirement we all need to survive the end of the world. And that requirement is faith. See, faith is essential because it is faith that attracts God's favor. When we have faith, we draw near to the Lord in fellowship and we follow his ways. Now, if you happen to miss any of the previous sermons from this series, I urge you, go to my YouTube channel at Pastor Richard C. Whitcomb. Get caught up on the past sermons and be blessed. You can also access the sermon notes and the daily devotionals for these sermons free of charge. And don't forget to download the sermon notes and the daily devotional every time you join me. These materials will help you apply God's word to your life so that you can build your faith. For the fact is, we need to build our faith in these days in which we live. Just as Noah faced a generation of people who rebelled against God, we also live in a day when people are living far from God. Many claim to be followers of Christ, but in actual fact, they are denying him by the very lives they live. And as the end of time draws closer and closer, we need to follow Noah's example. You see, all of us are going to face storms in the end times. All of us are going to experience difficulties in this life. But when we trust in Jesus and draw near to him, he will see us through the storms. And when we stand in faith, God will take note of us and rescue us. God always has a way of escape for his people. He always has an ark of deliverance to get us through any storm. But in order to experience God's deliverance in the end time, there is something we need 
to understand. And that brings us to today's message called redemption. For the fact is God has a plan of redemption for every one of us. God is willing to redeem everyone from the trouble of the end times. God has the power and the ability and the means to rescue every one of us from the end of the world. But in order to experience God's redemption at the end of the world, you have to understand the process of redemption. God is taking us through a process to get us to our eternal reward. And if you don't understand the process, you won't achieve progress. That's what we learn in our scripture text for today's sermon. It's one simple verse found in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10. The scripture is on your notes. It's on the screen in front of you. But I believe the word of God has the greatest impact when it's on our lips and in our hearts. So I'm going to ask you to read this passage out loud along with me. Are you ready? Here we go. God delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Think with me for a moment about what this verse is describing for us. It's giving us a clear outline for the three phases of our redemption. First, it speaks about our past redemption. God delivered us from death. That's past tense. We have been redeemed by his blood. Then it speaks about our present redemption. God does deliver us today, right now, wherever you are in your present circumstances, we are still being delivered. And then it speaks to us about our future redemption. God will still deliver us. One day, our final redemption will come. When the time is right, we will receive our final redemption. So let's break these verses down today and look more closely at the three phases of our redemption. And here's the first phase of our redemption, rescue. Everybody shout, rescue. 2 Corinthians 1.10 begins with these words, God delivered us. It's past tense, meaning it's something that has already taken place. If you're watching today and you've been born again, then you have already experienced past redemption. You've been rescued. That's what happened with Noah. God rescued Noah from the flood. In Genesis 7.23, the Bible says, the only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. The Bible tells us that the waters of the deep were broken up and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. All the earth was covered in water and all the living things on earth were killed, but Noah was rescued. And in the same way, God has rescued us when he redeemed us from our sin. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the starting point for surviving the end of the world is to make sure you have experienced phase one of redemption. You have to be born again. You have to experience God's rescue through Jesus Christ from sin and from the dominion of death and darkness. See, here's the good news you need to pack up and take home with you today. Your history cannot prevent your destiny when Jesus redeems you. When your past is under his blood, your future is under his control. Past redemption from sin and death is essential for future redemption from the destruction coming at the end of the world. It is only those who've experienced the first phase of redemption who will experience full redemption when Jesus comes again. And when you give God your history, 
he will take charge of your destiny. But you have to realize today that this is just the starting point. God rescues us, but that rescue is just the beginning of the process of redemption. And that's what we learn from Noah. When we read the story of Noah, we often focus on his rescue. God redeemed him by putting him in the ark. God himself closed the door on the ark, so Noah and his family and everything with them were delivered from the flood. But here's the thing. They were safe and secure in the ark, but they were not yet out of the flood. They were redeemed from the flood, but not fully redeemed. They had to wait for full redemption. And that's how it is with us. We're saved. The door is closed behind you and you are delivered from the kingdom of the devil. But you are still in this world and the darkness of this world swirls all around us. We're still in the storm and we're still looking for redemption to be completed. Listen to how the Bible describes this in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 and 13 and 14. In him we have, right now we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of of his glory. Listen carefully. The Bible says in verses 7 and 8, we have redemption. It's ours right now. But then verses 13 and 14 say, we have the Holy Spirit in us as a deposit towards our future redemption. In other words, we're redeemed now, but there's still a redemption ahead for all of us. And for now, we live in the in-between time. This year, my wife and I will celebrate 39 years in marriage. Hey, Nobis Martino, it's been 39 wonderful years, and it all began when we fell in love way back in 1982. That was the beginning, but it wasn't the whole story. When I was courting my wife, we lived far apart. I was living in the U.S. state of Virginia on the eastern part of the USA, and she was thousands of kilometers away in the western U.S., when I decided that I had to make a move to marry her, I invited her to come and visit me. She only had one week annual leave due to her, but she agreed to take her one week annual leave and come spend that week to visit the city where I lived. She arrived on a weekend, and by Thursday, I had proposed to her. That was quick. Unfortunately, only a few days later, she had to leave. We would not see each other for a few months, and it was so difficult to say goodbye. Even though we weren't yet married, I enjoyed spending time with her. I wanted to be with her every minute of every day. That one-week visit was a taste of better things to come. Of course, the engagement could not be compared to the marriage. During the engagement, we could imagine life together, but during the marriage, we actually enjoyed life together. The engagement was good, the marriage was best, but the time in between while we were separated was very tough. And that's how it is for us in the process of redemption. As Christians, we live in the time in between. Christ has come and rescued us. He's come to save us, and we've become committed to him. We have a taste of what it's like to live with him. We have peace. We have joy. We have life. But the life we have here as Christians is not all he has for us. He's also promised that he will come back to us, and we will live together with him forever and ever. 
You see, there's something better still ahead. There's a greater life and a greater love on the horizon. And no matter how great your Christian life is, it cannot be compared to the life with Jesus that still lies ahead. The engagement cannot compare to the marriage. Jesus has left us for a time, but he promised to come back to take us home to heaven to be with him forever. But in the meantime, in the in-between time, We're living here on this earth. That's where we are now. We know him. We love him. We're committed to him, but we're also waiting for him to come and bring the fullness of his love to us. And so as we live in the in-between time, we have to stay committed to our redemption. We have to walk it out and live it out daily. That's why God tells us in Titus 2, 11 to 14, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. In other words, while we wait, We let God's grace that redeemed us in the past continue to work redemption in our present. So here's the truth you need to pack up and put in your heart so you can experience the fullness of God's redemption. Grace doesn't just free us from the penalty of sin. It also frees us from the power of sin. Grace gives us the power to say no to sin today. When I was waiting for my wedding... I remained committed to my wife. While I waited for the promise to come to pass, I remained faithful. I prepared myself. I said no to every other relationship. And that's how it is for all of us as Christians. Between our first redemption and our full redemption, we have to remain faithful to Jesus. We have to persevere through the storm. If we get discouraged or tired of the journey, or if we begin to question God then we are in danger of walking away before our redemption is complete. That's why Titus 2 tells us that God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And that brings us to our second phase of redemption, refining. Everybody say refining. Listen again to the second phrase from our text for today. God does deliver us. The second phase of our redemption is our present redemption right now. It's what God is doing here today as he works in our hearts and lives to transform us into his image. See, God has a plan to build us and develop us in this life. If his only purpose for you was to get you to heaven, he would have raptured you the moment you became born again. But he kept us all here on earth for a reason. He kept us here to test us and perfect us and refine us as we pass through the trials of this life. And this is the truth we must understand and accept in order to survive the end of the world. There will be difficult times. There will be times of suffering. There will be times of trials. But when we yield to God fully, he will use those difficulties to refine us and strengthen our faith. That's why Romans 5, 3 to 5 says this. We rejoice in our sufferings. 
Hey, Apostle Paul, are you sure? We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. We know, we know, we know, just say, I know, I know that suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. So let this truth sink in on you today. Hope for the end times comes from godly character. The hope that will survive the end of the world comes from your godly character. And godly character can only be built when you pass through trials and suffering. So here's the lesson we all need to learn today to survive the end of the world. The fact that you're in God's will does not mean you won't have difficulties. That's the lesson I learned when I first went to serve God in the beautiful nation of Nigeria in 1981. See, I knew I was called. I knew that God had opened the door for me and he sent me to Nigeria. But when I got to Nigeria, I found things very difficult. And because of the difficulties, I began to question whether I was in the will of God or not. The fact is, Nigeria is a very beautiful country. It's full of rivers and trees and mountains and natural beauty. It's full of energy and lively people and exciting faith and brilliant talent. Hey, Nigeria is fantastic. But the compound I was living in wasn't nice at all. Though Nigeria is beautiful, the compound I lived in was ugly. It was called Madame Ukweku Villa. And I learned later on that Ukweku was the word for lizard. So you can imagine. The place was run down and dirty. There was no running water, but there were running rats. There was not much paint on the wall, but there was a lot of black mold. There were no good fittings in the house, but there was a lot of fighting in the compound. And the worst thing of all were the mosquitoes. We all know Nigeria is the giant of Africa. So everything is bigger in Nigeria. No be so. I didn't know it. But Nigerian mosquitoes are actually the size of a bird. I think that's where they get the name Super Eagles. It's actually a mosquito. And in all honesty, though Nigeria is a lovely country, I found it hard at first. I wasn't used to getting water out of a well. I didn't speak the language. I didn't like the food. I didn't like the mosquitoes that were the size of birds. And I started to wonder if I was in the will of God. In fact, things got so bad, I actually began to pray to God. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry I came here. God, forgive me. I've made a mistake. Please get me out of Nigeria safely and I will never come back again. I promise. Oh. But then God started working in me. He started changing me. He started correcting my attitude and building my character. And as I yielded to God, I fell in love with Nigeria. I fell in love with the people. I came to realize that I was actually in the will of God. And I learned that being in God's will doesn't mean you won't have difficulties. It simply means God is refining you to build character in you to give you hope. Eventually, I reached a place where I said, I never want to leave Nigeria. It is home. God took me from, I want to leave, to, I never want to leave. What changed? It wasn't Nigeria. If anything, conditions grew worse over time. What changed? I did. I changed. And I am who I am today 
And I have lasted in ministry till today because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And this is the lesson we all need to learn to survive the end times because no matter how hard the end times become, they will not break you when you allow God to refine you. No matter how dark the end times become, you will have confident hope when you work out your present redemption. You will have hope that does not put you to shame. You will survive and thrive in the end times because you allowed God to transform your life. This is the lesson we learn from Noah. It was great that Noah was rescued from the flood, but have you ever considered how difficult it must have been on that ark? In some ways, Noah's situation went from bad to worse. The world may have been bad, but the boat was no better. There were animals everywhere. It rained all the time. The boat was rocking back and forth in the flood. There was no change of company, no end to work, no fresh fruits and vegetables, no change of scenery, no vacation, no annual leave, no entertainment, no escape. 24-7, it was animals, smells, and water, water, water. In fact, Noah might have thought he was better off before. And sometimes you may feel that way too. Sometimes you may think, I was better off before I started serving God. When persecution comes, you may think you'd be better off without Jesus. When temptation comes and all your mates are using ways and means to get ahead and you're left behind because of your principles, you may feel regret. When everyone is out at the party committing fornication, you may feel abandoned and alone. But then remember where you came from. Remember what you've been saved from. You were dead. You were bound by Satan. You were without hope and without life. See, any time Noah felt like complaining, all he had to do was look out at the floating corpses in the flood below and realize that no matter how bad it was on the ark, it was better than being dead in the flood. You may be tempted to feel that you were better off before you became a Christian. You may be tempted to feel that it's easier to lie, cheat, and steal, to live in fornication and work to please yourself. But you need to realize how great your salvation is and what you've been saved from. You have to understand the process so you can make progress. You have to realize that the salvation you've experienced so far is just a down payment on the joy and the glory and the ecstasy and the life and the love and the eternal rewards coming your way. And in the present, in the middle, in the meantime, there's a refining process. God is redeeming you from your bad attitudes and carnal thinking and fleshly desires. He took you out of sin. Now he's taking the sin out of you. That's why the five verses in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 7 are so powerful. We need to meditate on them and let the truth of God sink into our hearts. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So praise God for our past redemption. Rejoice in what God has done. He has redeemed us and rescued us from sin by the power and the mercy of God. He goes on to say, now, now, presently, we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. In other words, praise God for our future redemption that's coming. Praise God for the future glory that is better than we can imagine. 
And through your faith, the Bible says, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day at the end of the world for all to see. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. In other words, in the meantime, between the first rescue and the final reward, there's a time of testing. There's a time we have to endure trials so we can be refined. The Bible continues. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In other words, you have to allow God to refine you so that he can be revealed in you. You have to stick it out now so that you can receive the reward. You have to realize that everything you're passing through is God working for good in you. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Your faith gets weaker when you believe God is doing something to you, but your faith gets stronger when you believe God is doing something in you. Don't look at trouble as God doing something to you. Rejoice that God sent trouble to work something in you. A lot of Christians say, why is this happening to me? And that discourages you and weakens your faith. Don't ask, why is this happening to me? Instead ask, Lord, what are you working in me through this trial? That's why Peter continues his teaching like this in verses 13 to 16. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now, today, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy holy and understand that God is challenging you to allow him to refine you to take a process through you and to bring salvation to you don't slip back don't give up let God work in you let God's word guide you let his spirit perfect you he's not working against you he's working in you he's not trying to restrict you he's trying to refine you and at the end of the world those who allow God to work in them and refine them will be kept safe and will come out stronger. All that you are passing through right now is getting you ready for what lies ahead. For what is coming is greater and far better than what you have now. That's why God says in Romans 8, 18 to 19, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is eagerly waiting for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And that brings us to our third phase of redemption, reward. Everybody shout reward. Listen to how our text comes to a conclusion. God will still deliver us. See, friends, the day of full redemption is coming. When this world ends, we will be fully delivered, not just from the penalty of sin and not just from the power of sin, but also from the presence of sin. This is what we learn from the story of Noah. He was rescued, but still in the storm. He had to endure through the trials, and then, then he received his reward. For in Genesis 8, 1, the Bible says, but God 
remembered Noah. And I think these are some of my favorite words in the whole Bible. God remembered Noah. Think about this for a minute. Noah's ride on the ark was actually a very long journey. It was 40 days and 40 nights of rain and flooding, but that was not the end of the ride. After that, there were 185 days when the floodwaters were receding. Then there was another 54 days of waiting. That's a total of 40 days of flood and 239 days after the rain started before he opened the door of the ark. Then there was another two months of waiting for the ground to dry. That's almost a full year since Noah entered the ark. That's a lot of waiting. But no matter how long the wait, God remembered Noah. No matter how dark the night, God remembered Noah. And the same is true for you. No matter how bad the storm is raging, God remembers you right now. No matter what you're passing through, God remembers you. No matter how long you've suffered, no matter how long you've waited, God is not ignorant of all that you're going through. He knows your storm. His eye is on you. He remembers you. So put your hand on your chest and say, God remembers me. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 49, 13 to 16, Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Yet Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she's born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. You may feel that God has forgotten you. You may feel abandoned and without hope. But every time God opens his hands, he remembers you. He sees your name, for he has written you on the palms of his hands. You may have had some bad breaks. Some people came against you unfairly, but I'm here to declare to you that God will give you double for your trouble. He's not forgotten that husband or wife you're praying for. He's not forgotten that baby you want to have. He's not forgotten the education you've been praying about. He's not forgotten your application. Others may put your application on the bottom of the heap, but God has not forgotten you. Others may say you're dead in God, but God says, I remember you. That's the lesson we can learn from the amazing true story of a woman named Janina Kolkowitz. In November 2014, 91-year-old Janina was at her home in Poland when she suddenly stopped breathing. Her family called the doctor who came to the house and examined Janina. The doctor checked her pulse, her heartbeat, listened for the sound of breathing, and shone a light in her eyes to see if there was any reaction. The doctor found no sign of life, so she pronounced the old woman dead. Two hours later, the family carried the body of Janina to the mortuary, where her body was placed in a bag and set aside for further processing. But later that night, when the man running the morgue brought in another dead body, he noticed that there was movement in the bag where he had placed the body of the old lady Janina. He opened the bag, and Janina Kolkowitz sat up and said, May I have some tea, please? The old woman had not been dead. She still had life in her. They gave her some tea and took her home alive 
and happy. And I'm here to declare to you today, somebody may pronounce you dead. Others may say there's no hope. People may put you in a mortuary and shove you to the side. They may say it's over. They may plan your funeral. But God remembers you. He's going to lift you up and set you on a higher place. I cancel every plan against your life today in the name of Jesus. I cancel every plan to put you down and shove you aside. I cancel every plan to count you out and declare you finished. I cancel every plan of the devil and of your enemies to pack you up and send you to the morgue. It will not succeed in Jesus' name because God remembers you. God can make things happen that you cannot make happen on your own. He can move on someone to do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. That's why you have to trust in him through the storm. He's the one who will keep you. He's the one who is faithful. For it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 7-9, As you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he's faithful to do what he says and he's invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. With Jesus as your partner, you will survive the storm. With Jesus as your partner, you will overcome. With Jesus as your partner, you will survive the end times. God is going to keep you. God is going to strengthen you. God is going to rescue you and refine you and redeem you fully. God will do this. He's faithful to do what he says. He will remember you and he will reward you. That's why Paul wrote in Hebrews 6, 10 to 11, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help him. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. The day is coming when we will all be rewarded for our faith in Christ. All our years of obedient service, all the sacrifices of faith will not be forgotten. They will not go unheeded. A great reward awaits you. That's why Matthew 16, 27 says, the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. So be encouraged today. God has redeemed you. He's rescued us from sin and death, and God is redeeming you. He's refining you and perfecting you and getting you ready for heaven. And God will surely complete his work in you. He will redeem you, fully redeem you, and reward you at the end of the world. Almighty Father, I pray for everyone watching and listening today. Lord, strengthen our hearts. For anyone, oh God, who has been saved, help us to realize we have been rescued. But we're now in a refining process. I pray that you'll allow us, move in us, to yield to you, to let your spirit have his way to refine and perfect us. You've brought us out of sin. Now bring the sin out of us so that when you come at the end of the world, you will give us a reward. If there's anyone watching or listening today who doesn't know you, I pray your Holy Spirit will come upon them, move in their hearts today to get ready to prepare themselves to find the requirement of faith and to take, Lord, action to allow your Spirit to put them through the process of complete redemption. 
I seal up the seed of this word by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let it take root deep in our hearts. Water it that it might spring up and bear fruit for your glory. We bind every spirit of the enemy from coming to steal the seed of the word out of our hearts right now in the name of Jesus. And I loose the spirit of the living God to make this word effective. Accomplish what you've sent it to do in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. Yeah.